You're listening to the Go For Growth Podcast with Doug Hall. Hi, everybody. This is Doug Hall, your host of the Go For Growth Podcast. And today I am delighted to have a special guest with us. Steve D. Sims is a published author, a legitimate entrepreneur, and even better, he's a Brit. So you're going to love listening to him. And he's a Brit that lives in L.A. So he's in Los Angeles today. I've caught him before he starts a big trip. And I'm delighted to pick the brain of Steve D. Sims, the founder of Sims Distillery. And you'll find his wisdom there. And even better, the author of Blue Fishing, uh, a best-selling book he put out a couple of years ago. And I recommend it to you. And we're going to hear some things from Blue Fishing today. So, Steve, I'm amazed to have you on my podcast. Thanks for being here. Ah, it's an absolute pleasure. Thanks for having me. I would start with the sort of thing of where the heck did you come from? What are your or- <laughs> what's your origin story? And then take us through sort of the encapsulated version of what got you here. So from there to here. So so go. Wow. Um, East London boy, born into a bricklaying family, started bricklaying like every entrepreneur. I knew more where I didn't fit than where I did actually fit. I tried for every kind of job out there, trying to find something that would engage, satisfy, uh, consume me. Um, couldn't find anything. Ended up applying for a job in Hong Kong because it was it was the furthest place I could think of from England. Um, I got the job, but was fired after one day because they realized I was absolutely useless. Ended up working on the door of nightclubs, throwing parties, throwing events. I started off as a party promoter, then a party planner, then um, started working for other people's events from the Monaco Grand Prix to the New York Fashion Week. And I turned into this experiential concierge firm that did everything from a drum lesson with Guns N' Roses, closing down a museum in Florence, um, sending people up to the edge of space to uh, sending them backstage at a, um, a concert and even sticking them on stage to sing with our favorite star. So I became the man that can. Someone once referred to me as the Make-A-Wish Foundation for people with really big checkbooks. And uh, two years ago, as you mentioned, I released a little book that I didn't think would be much. And uh, as of today, funny enough, I got a copy of the Thai version uh, sent to me. So it's now been released in Thai, Mandarin, Vietnamese, uh, Korean, Japanese, and is now being published in Russian. So to say wow. that it's an international bestseller, bit of an understatement, and also a bit of a bloody great surprise. Awesome, that's amazing. And what Steve just gave you, everybody, is is a, a snapshot of what's fully explained in Blue Fishing the book, which I strongly recommend to you. So that's that's your homework after this after this intro to Steve D. Sims. So Steve, that's amazing. Thank you. And the most important part of this for my audience is you are an entrepreneur, you are running a business, and for a few minutes, I want to pick your brain on the lessons you've learned and what you can care, uh, pass on to other business owners uh, to help them uh, avoid the school of hard knocks, right? We all go to the school of hard knocks, and we'd like to learn from other people's hard knocks. So. I know you're, I see a lot of that in blue fishing and I can't wait to hear some of the nuggets that you share with us today. Do you know, I'm not sure I want to help you too much there. And I know that ah, sounds ah. really, do you know, I, 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 I know that sounds a little bit rude and maybe selfish, but I am, I am a massive failure. 
and I have failed a ton. And the funny thing is, every time I failed at something, I may have kind of like, you know, scuffed my knees, ruined my bank account or something like that. But it's made me stronger for the next time. So I'm a great believer in dealing with people and working with people that have done a lot. It does help you a bit. But if any entrepreneur or entrepreneur, those newbie entrepreneurs are out there thinking, well, I'll listen to this guy because it'll save me all the pain. No, I'll save you a little pain in a few areas, but you'll get pain in others. So it never gets rid of the pain. It just basically brings up different scenarios. I believe our greatest failures are our greatest education and therefore our greatest growth. And folks, that's nugget number one. And I totally agree with you, Steve, and I'm glad you said that. If you're not failing, you're not progressing. Yep, yep, exactly. When you talk to a business owner, when somebody comes up to you and throws a challenge at you, what are they usually, what do you hear them usually saying? What's the most common, I mean, you give talks and you, you know, you've, promoted your book, what's the most common question you think you hear from entrepreneurs or entrepreneurs? Probably the most misguided. Um, because people know that I work with, quite simply, and no underestimate here, the richest people in the planet. You know, I've got royalties, yep. I've got royalty superstars, movie stars, but then I've also got richer people that own things like countries. Um, wow. And People come up to me and they're like, oh, you know, how do I get to deal with the rich and famous? I'm going to tell you straight off the bat, working with the rich and famous is, is a headache, is a problem. You want to work with the rich and unknown. You want to work with not necessarily the billionaires. Like I've got, I've got billionaire clients that drive around in 10-year-old Corollas because they just mm. don't care. And I've mm. got guys that are making a couple of million bucks and they're always in the latest Ferraris. So you want to, first of all, analyze what is your product or service you're selling? Who is your avatar client? And go after them. Don't go after the rich people. Don't chase the checkbook. Chase the problem in which you solve. You want a nugget? I will tell you quite clearly, never sell anything. Solve everything. Mm, there's a nugget. Never sell anything. Solve everything. I literally will go up to a client uh, who I've heard is interested in, I don't know, travel or going to an event or meeting a superstar or jump in the front list of something. And I'll go up to him and I'll say, hey, I believe you're looking at doing this. Um, would it be of interest if I could actually help you get over that? Would it be of interest if I could actually help plan that for you so you don't have to worry about it? How would it satisfy you and solve your situation if I was to actually take that off your plate? And so that's the way I position myself. I position myself every single time as a solution. And then people are like, yeah, get it, do it, get on with it, get off my plate. Because I'm a great believer, if you know what you're talking about, you are you know, nine-tenths of an expert. I don't believe we're ever, we never know everything. But the point is that the client doesn't know what they don't know. That's your job. Right. So when a client comes along and goes, hey, I want to do this, my first few strategies, my first infrastructure is for me to nod and go, oh, that sounds great. That sounds brilliant. Oh, that's awesome. But then my next question is, why? Why is this so important for you to do? And there's a friend of mine, Chris Boss, who's a, an FBI negotiator, 
Um, yep. He took. He talks about getting into his uh, midnight radio voice, and he says, right. "If you're all amped up and you and you're talking to someone like this, you're going too fast." So you dial it down. You go. So how can I help you? And you really bring the tone <laughs> down. And it's, I, he's really good at doing it when he does it. But he so is brilliant. Talking, I've heard him do that. I've heard him do that yeah, live. You're right. He's amazing. He does that. Yeah, the midnight radio voice. And so yep. you t- you talk to the client. And you go, oh, that's brilliant. It's, and you're on his level of pace, okay? But then what you do is you pull it down notch and you go, well, why? Tell me why that's important to you. And you get that, and it, it shakes them. It's a pattern interrupt. And they're like, well, um... and the funny thing is, they want to give you the answer that makes them sound intellectual. They want to give, and you can ask all of your friends this. You say, hey, if you, won, if you won $10 million this weekend, what would you do? And they would go, oh, I'd, I'd get all the Victoria's Secrets models and, and I'd have a hot tub party. You know, they would <laughs> say something, but they would say something stupid like that. Or, you know, I'd buy a mega yacht and I'd, I'd sail around one. And you go, oh, that's great. In four weekends time, what would you do with the money now? And you suddenly start getting there, well, my school has never had computers, so I'm going to furnish my old school with computers to help us. I'm going to pay off all the student loans for my local college. I'm going to start focusing on, on adoption homes for dogs because I care about that. All of a sudden, the real core comes out. And mm. so when I'm talking to clients, it's always a case of, well, why do you want to do that? I've had clients alone, and they go, oh, I want to meet Elton John. You go, oh, that's fantastic. He's brilliant. I love his music. But why is it important to you? And the next statement may still be, oh, he's iconic. He's, he's one of the best artists in the planet. Yeah, yeah, I agree with you. But why is he important to you? And this is a true story. And the guy then starts telling me about how his dad used to go driving in the mornings with him to uh-huh. uh, school. And they always used to play Elton John because they always used to sing along to the tunes because they only had a couple of cassettes in the car. And he said... Um, and the funny thing is, my dad passed away years ago, but I can never, ever hear a tune by Elton John without thinking of my dad sat next to me in the car singing. And there's the core. There's there the reason. Go. It's that trigger. So that's the way. And whether it be a branding client, whether it be a consulting client, whether it be uh, someone for the concierge firm, whoever's talking to me, I'll nod on the first question. I'll nod on the first statement. But then I'm going to use my inner Sherlock to find out what's controlling that question. Why is it important to you? And what's got to be the outcome that's going to put you into a state of shock that you achieved? Because that's what your business delivers to people is that experience that they can't get any other way. And I'm glad you say my business because it is my business. Whatever industry you're in, I don't care. I had some guy contact me the other day. Um, literally is a baker. He makes cakes here in Hollywood. And he said, and, uh, he took me on as a consultant. He's like, I want to start doing this. I want to start working for rich people. And I said, again, don't chase the checkbook. You know, don't, don't worry about that. I said, focus on what it is you're actually doing. And he said to me, um, we had this example. A guy walks into his baker's and says, I want a red cake. Interviewed a guy. And he said, well, we can be very busy. I said, well, Deal with less clients, but put more into each client. And so we spoke about it. And I said to him, the guy that came in, you know, I want a red cake. Oh, that's fantastic. Yeah, we can give you a red cake. What shade of red? Oh, this shade of red. Okay. 
um, why? Why did you decide on a bed cake? And he did that. We, funny enough, we joked about that example, and a guy came in and said he wanted a red cake. And he phoned, up, he phoned me up all excited, and it was like, Steve, I couldn't believe it. He said, at first I thought it was a friend of yours, it was a setup, but he said to him, he said, I went into my midnight voice and I went, why is a red cake the cake you're asking for today? And the guy kind of like, you know, stopped and looked at me and he went, well, it's my dad's birthday. He's like, okay. Again, pause. And he loves Ferrari. I went, oh, Oh. so you're looking for us to match the cake to the color of the Ferrari. He's like, yeah, yeah, I'd like that. He said, well, what age is he? And he was like, uh, um, I don't know, he's from the 50s or something like that. And he said, "Um, well, how about if we actually got a few little toy cars, a few little models of that era and put them around the base of the car and even had the Cavalino horse on the top of the cake. And the guy was like, that's amazing. Yes, can you do that? And he said, I'll be happy to. And he said it cost the guy like an extra five bucks or something just for these little toy cars and stuff. But it transformed itself from a cake to an engagement, to an experience, to a trigger. Um, And that's what we could do in anything we do. I don't care if you're selling cakes. I don't care if you're pouring concrete for someone's backyard barbecue. I don't care if you're planning a travel itinerary or designing a brand for someone. You need to listen to what's said, ignore it, and find out why it's important. Mm -hmm. You've built a business. Talked about that a minute ago. Tell me about what you experienced as you went from Steve Sims, the individual solution guy, to scaling your business to whatever degree. How did, how did that work? How did you fail forward? What, what are some of the lessons you experienced as you did that? Well, all the usual lessons. Scaling's a pig. You've got to kind of find mini rep, replicas of you. Mm-hmm. Hiring, you know, I can get more clients than I can hire staff. And that's mm-hmm. always been the case. And so finding the staff that don't get bedazzled because they're dealing with royalty or they're mm. dealing with someone that owns something, that's tough. So you want to find, <laughs> and I don't want to upset my team, but you want to find almost antisocial, cynical outcasts. Those mm. people that, that don't kind of get all jumped up, but they do rise to the challenge. And my right. team probably would look better in a skate shop or a biker bar than they would uh, as leading a, a marketing and branding corporation. They're focused on the result, not on who they're dealing with. So scaling uh, the company, the hiring part is always going to be your bottleneck. And so David Jensen always says to me, you know, like, um, hire slow, fire fast. Yeah. Um, and that's one of the main things I look to do. When, I, when someone's going to work with me, we give them we give them so many stress tests. You know, can you get this done by four o'clock? How are you going to do this? How would you overcome this problem? I'm a mm. great believer that you only get to see the true color of someone when things aren't going to plan. Yeah. I want to see how you react, not how you present, not how you prepare, not how you plan, because no one ever plans to get a smack in the mouth. It just happens. So, 
I want to know how you handle yourself in that situation. So scaling a business is tough, but the two things I focused on was quality. I always want to make sure that I have less people with more quality. So I do that with my consulting clients, with my marketing, with my uh, concierge. I always take on clients as slow as I take on staff. And then I focus on them. And I focus on what I can do for them. I focus on the problem and build up the loyalty. In fact, I've got three companies. Two of them are travel related. One of them is my marketing and branding company under stevedsims.com. None of them have a phone number. Not one of them. And it's funny because all of my, yeah, all of my consulting clients, they go, well, you know, you, you want to talk to me about branding and marketing a company, and I had trouble even getting hold of you. And I said, yes, but you earned the right to talk to me, didn't you? You actually had to try and find how to get to me. I already had you. You had worked hard to get to me. Yeah. And that's a great filter. I don't want people just picking up the phone going, hey, how much is this? I want to talk to you, you know? I want you to earn it. I want you to work for the right to be able to get to contact me. And there's a lot of people out there that say to themselves, oh, I'm a referral-based business. Well, here's the thing. I always say to them, do you have a phone number and contact details on your website? And they go, yes, I do. And I say, well, you're not a referral-based business. You're actually just a company that gets a lot of referrals. Right. Now, my business, I'm all about the referrals because, especially in my concierge, you can't even contact us. So your, your business model is to be hidden. My, not necessarily hidden, but definitely working on a more exclusive and an elite basis. Um, right. I don't do anything cheap. You know, if, uh, <laughs> funny enough, no. I did a video and I stuck it on Sims Distillery the other day. My Sims Distillery is my... Um, uh, my course and what yep. I do is every time things happen to me during the week that I've learned from I will actually record a little video and then I will post it on the Sims Distillery website so the daft thing is it started off as a 16-step course it's now got like about 70 videos and courses and training material on it and I just use it as a constant library so you don't have to buy a new course you buy that and I just keep populating it. But I had someone contact me the other day and he literally said to me, hey, I've heard of you and you can help my business. Are you free for 15 minutes? And I said, no, I'm not. I'm $750 for 30 minutes. And on my website, you can actually book a call with me and I am $750 for 30 minutes. And I've said to people, how many times do people try to use what you know without paying you? And I'm a great yeah. believer if they don't pay, they don't pay attention. People, right. aren't, people aren't paying you because they like you. I hate to break it to you. They're paying you because of what you know, who you know, and how many months or years can you save them in the information that you've actually earned and learned. And mm. so for that reason, I charge accordingly. And I, I think your son's distillery is a great deal. It's a, I, I really love it. Um, it's one of these things that I just, uh, I just had fun with, and we wanted people to grow. Let, let me be really arrogant and obnoxious for a second. Right. I'm, living here, <laughs> I'm living here up in the hills in Los Angeles. I'm actually speaking to you now from a garage. I've got a collection of motorcycles. I'm all right. 
You know, if I don't sell a course, if I don't sell a book, if I don't take on a new consulting client, if I don't take on any more clients, I'm actually okay. Um, so it's not one of these things where you're out there going, oh, yeah, you've got to buy my book. My book, I think I make 20 cents per book. So you've got to buy like 400 before you can even afford me a drink. Um, exactly. So, yeah, I don't care. I care that it benefits you. I care that it helps you. When the book came out, and I don't want to digress, so tell me to shut up and I will, but when I was approached, it was because everybody of that level knew the people I was dealing with, and I was approached by the, uh, the um, publishing house, and they said, hey, we want you to write a book naming names, what they do, what they spend their money on. And I said, no. If I did I that, that, I'd be dead by, no, I'd be dead by cocktail hour. Right. Um, and I said, and, but then I was doing a lot of speeches at the time because, again, as we said at the beginning, I'm a bricklayer that left school at 15 years old. I still ride around with a black T-shirt, tattoos, earrings, eyebrow piercing, yet I'm dealing with the most affluent people in the world. If a bricklayer can be doing this, you've got no excuses. So right. I started speaking a lot more on the entrepreneurial circuit and then they came to me and they said, hey, instead of you doing the book on who you know, can we do the book on what you know? How you do these things? So mm. I said to them, I said, yes, but it's got to be my book. You know, if mm. I'm going to do it, for one, I want a lot of money. I got the money. So I've already been paid pretty much up front. That's why I only get like about 20 cents a book. Um, right. They get, they I get said, it. But yeah. I said, but I ha have to write the book that I want to write. And they were really good about it. And they said, yes. So I wrote the book at the age of 53 years old. I'm a great believer that we're putting value into stuff that has no value. We're listening to people of no substance. We're far too much into the shiny object syndrome. And I'm a great believer at the moment that I, I think there'll be a reset. You know, it's a case of add water, pop, instant guru, uh, and these mm. insta-perfect worlds. And it's pissing me off. Mm. So... I wrote the book because I wanted to tell people, hey, before you start focusing throwing $60,000 at a new CRM tracking and funnel process for your company, better $2 and focus on your client. Buy them a cup of coffee. Make right. a freaking phone call. So I did this book, not expecting it to get anywhere, but expecting it or praying that it would shake up two people to go, hey, I'm looking at the wrong things. I'm looking for salvation in the wrong products. You know, I should be looking for it in my clients, in my brand, in my word, in my identity. And so when the book came out, I honestly thought that's it. You know, the book's out. I'll sell 10 copies. My mom actually bought three. Um, <laughs> seven and, more ago. <laughs> yeah, seven more. And it was literally like that, you know. She, text, she uh, phoned me. She's like, I bought three, son. And I was like, great, mum, that'll help me get the bestseller. Thank you. Um, and I just thought that was it. And the first month, I don't know how many it did. It wasn't very much. In fact, the second month was less. And when I phoned up the publishing app at the house, I got a kind of a, yeah, it's not going too well, Steve. And I was like, oops, you know. Oops. And the good, Sorry, mate. Yeah, I was thinking to myself, I've just got paid really well. And the good thing about it is I didn't have to pay it back. So I'm thinking, Oh, I've got all this money and I don't have to pay it back. But the book's not going very well. But all right, there's a few people. It was in the hundreds. 
And then all of a sudden, I think the following month, it was like 14,000 in one month. And then, poof, it just took off. And I've done over 300 podcasts. I launched a course. And I want to I solve. I want people to, to get out of their own way. Nine times out of ten, the biggest problem in your business, your relationships, and the way you communicate is staring at you in the mirror. And there you go. I'm, I'm there to turn around and go, look, you know, you're focusing on the wrong shit. You should be focusing on you. Focus what's on impactful, not expensive. Like if I come up to you and I buy you a $30,000 watch and I give it to you, and you're going to be happy. You know, it's nice. It, it's nice, but it's a bit suspicious, isn't it? Yeah, like why are you giving me this watch, Steve? Yeah, yeah. let me say I met you in the, in the street and I went, hey, hey, I love doing the podcast. Hey, do you mind if I buy you a beer? And I bought you a beer. And I had a okay. conversation with you for 20 minutes before I had to shoot off. Would that be more fun? That would be great. And there's the impact. There's it, so I, And that would cost me a beer. So I'm a right. great believer and I've always focused. I, I went to a client's party and the client, every time I met the client, he would have these new pair of shoes. And there was some uh, shoe, I don't even know what you call it, but some shoe tailor that would make him these shoes and send him swatches. And he was always buying new shoes in mm. this like Venetian uh, leather that he loved. Mm. He had a birthday party. And I, when I went along to his party, I actually gift wrapped a shoehorn. And when I got there, it was a bone shoehorn, not metal, bone. Right. And I gave it to him. And it was like, I think I got two for $8 off of Amazon. And right. I gave him one of them. And he was, he opened it up and he was like, this is cool. And I said, look, I know you love shoes, but I also know when you go to the metal detector uh, at the airport, and you probably got a metal. He went, yeah, I have got a metal one. I went, probably sets the alarm off. He said, I've lost so many because they, they hold on to them. The bone won't set off the metal detector, but it will look after your shoes. He was over the moon. And it cost me less than five bucks. That's amazing. So I think if people will listen to what you're saying, you gave them the keys to business success. So folks, you need to pick these nuggets out. Steve, gave you from his experience his very best. So, Steve, and thanks for telling us and pointing us to book, the kingfishing book or the bluefishing book and, and tell folks how to find more. What's, where's the best place to find information about you and about the distillery? So, really, if you go over to stevedsims.com, that's one M on Sims, stevedsims.com, you can, find, you can subscribe to the newsletters. That gets you a whole bunch of free stuff. You know, you'll have to put up with my rants and things. It tells mm. you about the course called Sims Distillery. It also shows you um, my events that I'm speaking at. It also tells you of um, my speakeasy events. I run these private workshops in these really kind of cool, dysfunctional places with a maximum of 40 top-level entrepreneurs, predominantly all over America, Mexico, and Canada. But I am okay. coming into Europe next year with those but basically that's my hub that tells you everything about what's going on um you can also find out about the book there my facebook group an entrepreneur's advantage by steve sims that's free of charge um 
podcast, the art of making things happen. But it all comes from that website. So if you hit stevedsims.com, you can find about, out about everything from the podcast, the book, the course, speaking engagement, the whole works. It's all there. Perfect. Thank you. That's great. Folks, go there, find Steve's stuff, subscribe to his newsletter. I did that the other day, and he's right. You get an instant download of some great stuff. So I love your chug test. That's what he told you about, having a beer on the street. So the chug test is important. You got to go. That's your homework, everybody. Go study that. So Steve, amazing. Thanks for being on my podcast. Thanks for the nuggets. Appreciate it. I appreciate it, mate. I wish you the best in your travels over the next month or so. And uh, thanks, everybody, for listening in for and Doug Hall's Go for Growth and Steve D. Sims. Amazing. You guys go off and conquer the world. See you later. The Go for Growth podcast is sponsored by Resources for CEOs. We help overworked business owners take back control of their time, build a team-driven company, and multiply profits. Get your free copy of How to Get What You Want from Your Business at resourcesforceos.com slash guide.